There's ice on the road. We're not going anywhere. We're not driving to see snow. She said, well, I will figure out how to get there. So <laughs> she's praying for snow, y'all. So I don't know what you need to do for your house <laughs> to get ready, but we're excited to be in it together. We can weather any storm, whether it's a hurricane or a winter uh, blast, whatever it is, an Arctic blast. We're, we're in it, and we know that God's going to take care of us. And if, if there are things that you're struggling with, is there some way that we can help you? That's what we're here for, to help you. If you just need support, maybe you just need somebody to pray with you. We love to pray for you, pray with you. And um, today we have something really, really cool going on. And um, it's our very first ever five for five. That, for those of you who are wondering, what does that even mean? That's five speakers. Each of them will speak for five minutes. So you'll have to get your notes out, get your notepad out, get your pen out, and get ready to take notes because each of them will come up and they will take their five minutes. And I can guarantee you that each one has a ton of stuff packed into each minute. Each second is going to count because these voices are powerful. They have something to say, and uh, we've been working together this week to make sure that you guys have an incredible service. And uh, I, I am really excited that we're at the point, at the, the place that we are in the church where we have five voices at the same exact time in the same moment. It's a, it's a great, great moment to be in, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know that you will enjoy each of them. But today I want us to talk, we're all going to be talking about the same idea, and that is simply this, that we, everybody say we, the church, that's you, that's me, that's those of us sitting in this room, those of us who are watching online, those of us who believe that we are the body of Christ. We're speaking to the body of Christ, and maybe you don't consider yourself a part of the body of Christ. Maybe you've been standing a little bit on the outside kind of looking at the body of Christ. This message is to all of us that are saying, what are we doing here? What? And, and, and really, ultimately this, this one idea that we as the body of Christ need to get better at being the church. I don't know if y'all are hearing me or not, but we have to get better at being the church. Are y'all with me? We have to do a better job at the things that the church is supposed to do. So I think for a long time the church has been, uh, it, it's almost like if you pick up a water bottle and it says water on it, and then all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, this don't have water in it at all. This has uh, clear soda. It has Sprite in it. Then you have a, a labeling problem or a marketing problem. And I think that the church has a similar problem where most people, if you, if, if, if you go ask anyone in the community that doesn't uh, consider themselves a part of the church or the body of Christ, if you ask them what's the church about, what's the church for, what's the church here for, what is the church supposed to do, the answers that they'll give are probably not the accurate answers because for the most part and most of history that I can remember growing up, a lot of times the church represents things that it shouldn't represent. We've done things that we shouldn't be doing. We, and, and I don't just mean bad things, but we have majored on the minor things. We need to major on the major things. We need to take the things that are important, the things that God said, this is what I'm about, and we need to make our lives about that thing. So today is about why, do, why, why, was, why must we be a better church? Next week we're going to start a series called Better. And uh, some of you are already thinking, some of you are already asked, 
well, is that about relationships? Because they were dating, and it's Valentine's Day. No, it's not about that at all. It's about when we're given a choice between this and this, we need to choose the better thing. We need to be moving in the right direction. And most of the choices, most of the better happens right here. Uh-oh. <laughs> most, of the, most of the challenge of us choosing the right things take place right in our minds. The things that we choose to do, the things that we choose to say, the, the, the things that we, when we're given a choice, what are, what are you choosing? So today is really the why behind the what next week. So let's, let's take off with it, and I'm going to invite our very first speaker to step up onto the stage and give us those reasons. Would you guys give it up for Pastor Gala? All right. One more time. One more time. Here we go. Good morning, Relate. It's wonderful to be here today. And for all of you watching online, you're about to receive the incorruptible, ever-living Word of God. And I know that you're going to receive something, so grab a pen and paper so you can write down. My name is Pastor Angela's mother. <laughs> I'm Pastor Gala, and yes, I am her mother. And I'm honored to be here today with my precious son in love and my grandkids and all of you that I love and enjoy getting to visit with when I get to be here. How big God is, is what I want to talk about. We must become a better church because how big God is. How wonderful and incredible the living God truly is and his ways are past finding out. There are so many attributes about God I could speak on, but I'm only going to give you three today. The wisdom of God, the word of God, and the love of God. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the world, fainteth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. You see, when we talk about the wisdom of God and how big he is, the wisdom of God lives in infinity, yet he created time. He's all illumination, yet if wisdom, he created light and dark. The wisdom of God is omnipresent, which means he's present everywhere, all over the world, all the time. He's from everlasting, which is before time began, to everlasting, which is after time ends. God's wisdom is sovereign over all. He is knowledge. He is judgment. He is truth. He is understanding. His wisdom is infinite in all things. This is how big God's wisdom is. Number two, the Word of God. By His Word, just speaking the Word, he framed the worlds. He spoke all that we know into existence. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word of God spoke, and suddenly mysteries and spheres and physics and metaphysics appeared. Things above nature, things in nature, and things below nature all appeared. Worlds within worlds came into reality. The powers of the human body and how the soul occupies the body. Compositions of matter and constellations of space came into creation. 
That's how big God's Word is. Bigger than we can comprehend and smaller than we could ever imagine. And as Almighty God, His Word created a way for Him to come into the world that He created. Incomprehensible to think of. He fed 5,000 plus people by multiplying bread and fish with just His Word. He stopped an intense storm on the sea while being inside the small boat, inside the storm, with just his word. He raised the dead with his word, just to name a few. This is how big the word of God is. And number three, the love of God. The incarnate loving almighty I am subjected himself to a linear time frame and limited human body to become the savior for his fallen creation, humanity. How big is the love of God? Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. Romans 8.38 and 39 says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. The incredible, awesome, huge God that we serve and we love. The love of God himself forgave mankind of their sins while they were crucifying him on the cross. His love was able to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's incomprehensible how big the love of God is. God is so big, there's no place on earth that one can go to hide from him. Our God does big things. He wants more for us. We are made in his image to become more, do more, and be more. You see, God uses the imperfect to do the impossible. We must become a better church because God is big. Psalms 81.10 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. We must become a better church because God is big. Praise the Lord. Wow. God is big. Uh, my name is Minister Gentry Anderson, and I want to thank you both those at home and those that are present for this moment of worship. Um, my segment is pertaining to us being representatives of God. And in being representatives of God, what I realize is that we have to dig into the mystery of our creation, the mystery of our salvation, 
and what that really means. Um, in order to address the scriptures, I believe Pastor Sean said that everybody needed to uh, pull out their pens. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the scriptures, and then we'll, we'll be able to talk freely, okay? Um, circum- Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, the 17th through the 21st verse. Genesis 1 and 26, Genesis 2 and 7, Ephesians 1 and 4, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And I'm sure that there may be a few others, but what I would ask is if you'll take notes, then we'll be able to take this journey. The mystery of our creation Many of us think that man was just created on the sixth day. But what you find is God created the part of you that is spirit. It was the seventh day in his day of rest that the Bible says he then formed man from the dust of the ground. And then after he formed man from the dust of the ground, he breathed into the nostrils of man and man became a living soul. What's important in that is understanding that you and I are a spirit, which is eternal like God. So if you'll say that with me, say, I am a spirit. I live in a body, and I have a soul. That's the mystery of our creation. But what's important in that is when we understand that that is the case, then it makes complete sense that when the Bible says that we are a new creation. Now, the reason we are a new creation is in Ezekiel, the 36th chapter, the 26th and 27th verse, The word of God says, and I will put a new spirit within you. And then it goes on to say, I will put my spirit within you. So that is the new creation that we become. Here's why that is important as a representative and an ambassador of God. An ambassador is not elected. An ambassador is chosen. And so Ephesians 1 and 4 says that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. All of an ambassador's financial obligations are paid off by the country that they represent. And they are paid off so that the ambassador has no worries, that they are not tempted, there's no bribery, any of those things that a regular citizen must be responsible for. So an ambassador has one primary responsibility, and that is to serve the kingdom in which they represent. When we understand that God called us ambassadors, the truth is that God has placed us here to represent the kingdom of heaven. So the challenge is that our spirits have been made completely new. 
But our soul needs to be renewed. And so our issue is that we are strangers to the covenant. What does that mean? It means that when we come into the true understanding, which is laid out in the word of God, of who we are in God, then we understand that God himself has placed himself in us so that we would represent heaven. And if we represent heaven, then what that means is that we literally speak for the kingdom. I'll say this last thing as I prepare to exit the stage. I need you to understand that as an ambassador, you represent the kingdom of God. And unlike a governor or a senator or a congressperson, if I took my hand and slapped a congressperson, it is an assault and they can file charges. But remember, you are an ambassador. If I took my hand and slapped an ambassador, it is an international incident, meaning the nation of heaven will rise for those who represent God. Amen. Good morning. I'm Minister Elizabeth Anderson. I want to welcome those from our Facebook family. I want to thank everyone else for um, being with us on this morning. The church must do better. The church must do better because we need to have a place and a sense to belong. My scripture is Ephesians 4 and 16. When I look at Ephesians 4 and 16, um, I see the example given discussing the body and the parts of the body. Um, I also look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 12 that also talks about the significance of each piece of the body coming together to edify and to build up. And here we have the scripture making a correlation between the body, physical, and the body of Christ, with Christ as the head. So the points that I want to drive home is being a part of something bigger than yourself, belonging to the body of Christ is significant because one, it gives us purpose, two, it gives us power. Three, it allows us to walk into our destiny. So let's talk about the power of God. Ironically, if you look at Genesis 11 and 3, they talk about the people of Babel. And he talks about how they begin to build this city. And God was so moved that he came down to look at these people. And he said, good Lord, if they continue, that nothing will be impossible. So let's look at purpose and oneness, okay? That was oneness being distributed, coming together as one. 
the power of oneness, okay? Let's look at purpose. Let's look at the body. If my hand is cut off and it's on there, what is it doing? It has no idea. But once we are connected and we belong to the body of Christ, which Christ is the head, we now have walked into destination and purpose and understanding, and we can individually operate in where God has called us into being. The significance of belonging. We need a place to belong. We have an innate desire to be connected, to be accepted, and to be loved. We need connection. We need to feel loved and accepted and to belong. The other portion that I want to talk about is encouragement. I don't know if I made that significant in my points, but encouragement, okay? When we look at Genesis and God creation of Adam and Adam having to name the animals and to look at all of those things and recognize that there was none that looked like him, God understood that one human needed another human. And he accommodated it by creating Eve. We need to belong. If God understood the significance of what it would look like for another human to recognize another human, we have, as the church, also need to see that we need each other. Adam having Eve gave him encouragement and support, someone else to look at to say, I can. Someone else to look at to say, we can. Someone else to look at to, to bring and undergird with the task at hand. Church, we have a task at hand. We have to understand the significance of belonging to the body of Christ. Coming into that alignment is significant. Power, the power that God has shown us through not just a people who were building this city. Understand, they didn't have Jesus, the resurrection, the redemption, or the blood. But they had the power of oneness and understanding the significance of belonging. Church, I urge you to embrace the fact that we have the blood of Christ, the love of Jesus living inside us, the power of the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place where we can come together. We can defeat the enemy. We can also exercise our right to be one because we understand the significance of belonging. Amen. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jason Hargis, and uh, that's my wife. She's beautiful. Give me one second. Sorry. Good morning, everybody online. It's nice to see y'all, or at least for y'all to see me. Um, all right. So what I want to talk about this morning, and by the way, wasn't everybody else so great? Uh, can we give everybody a hand so far? Thank you. It just made me feel better. Um, so I want to talk about this morning is that the people in our community expect more of us than they do themselves. So right now I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to say, I've got to do better. Turn to your other neighbor and say, we've got to do better. Everybody look at me and say, Jason, slow down. All right, I, I talk a little fast, so sorry. Um, you know, we've all heard people say, we do something, you know, a little out of the ordinary or something like that. And people say, and you call yourself a Christian or, or I thought you were a Christian. 
And then we want to defend ourselves, maybe not to them, but in our minds by saying things like, well, I am a Christian, but I'm not perfect. I'm not Jesus. No, no, you're not. And neither am I. But the word says we need to, we need to strive to be more like Jesus, right? That's, that's kind of the goal is what, what we want to do. But we want, we want to take the other route and kind of defend ourselves and we get offended. I say that because Pastor Sean says a lot that we need to be unoffendable. And I'm shaking. I'm sorry, but I'm, I am a little nervous. Sorry. Luke 12, 48 says, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So we always say things like, uh, if you're faithful in the small things, God will trust you to be faithful in the big things. But that word says, if you're faithful in the big things, God will trust you to be faithful in the bigger things. God will trust you to be faithful in the things that you can't do on your own, in the things that you can't do with your own strength, in the things that you need to rely on God to help you to do. There's no faith if you don't need God. So the faith comes when we have to rely, when we have to trust on God. Believe me, I struggle with that a lot. So the question that I want to ask you, and I'm sure you want to ask me the same question, is how do we change the way, the narrative that people have about Christians and the way that people view Christians? I'm glad you asked, because I have the answer. Well, you want to know? Anybody? All right, well, good. So in Matthew 22, 37 through uh, 40, I believe, it's, uh, they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, and he says, I tell you this, um, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. That is the greatest commandment. The second um, is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So basically, Jesus is saying that if you follow these commandments, all the other ones fall into place. So I'm going to step on some toes for a second because, well, I want to. Um, we tend to get on our social media platform, and we want to voice our views on our, our variety of different subjects. But by doing this, by voicing our views, we tend to bash people, political leaders, agendas, something else that's going on but we want to bash in the name of whatever, it doesn't matter. So I want you to ask yourself before you do something like that, before you decide to berate something that somebody else is doing or something that somebody else believes in because it's different than your belief, and that is, does this actually show the love of God to others? Because the answer from the earlier question of how do we change the narrative is simple. Did I do that right? It's love. Because of love, this church is a beacon of hope. So I'm going to tell a quick story. A man called a pastor one day, and he said, Pastor, I want to join a church, but I don't want to have to worship. I don't want to join a Bible study. I don't want to help the sick. I don't want to lead in any way. I just want to show up, sit down, and do my thing. And the pastor said, you know what? I think i got a church for you. And he gives him a phone number and an address. Sunday morning, the guy gets up, gets dressed, goes to the church, and it's abandoned. Because that's basically what you want is an abandoned church. But I say that because that was me. When Stephanie and I started coming to relate, did I say Steffi? Stephanie and I started coming to relate. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to sit. We were in the other theater, but I wanted to sit right back there, do nothing, show up at church, get the word, go home. 
But obviously God had other plans, and uh, which is good, because we came in, and Pastor Sean and Pastor Angela immediately showed the love, and then people in the church immediately showed the love, and it was different. It was different than most places I've ever been. And why is that? Well, because of love. So all that said, it made decisions that I had to make, because God doesn't force us to do anything, even though he throws stuff in front of us. The decisions I had to make actually became real easy because, once again, through love, this church is a beacon of hope. So Isaiah 59, 19 says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. And I'm here to say the standard to combat that enemy is love. And we can go into this in depth and detail, but I don't have the time. But love disarms. Love changes the narrative. Love will speak volumes to anybody who thinks or sees the church in a different light and sees us in a different light. So I'm going to close with these two scriptures. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, finally, my brothers and sisters, I plead that you would give your lives and your bodies to God. Because of all he's done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. For this is the way to worship him. You know, the word says for us to crucify our flesh every day and take up our cross and follow him. Romans 12, 2 says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you by the renewing of your mind. And that is how we change the way we think. And by changing the way we think, we will change the way others see us. So once again, with all that said, if we were to change the narrative of the community to be better, it starts with love. Love is the answer. Because remember, people in this community expect more from us than they do from themselves. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jason. That was amazing. I am Pastor Susan. Woohoo! You know, and I'm going to go right into this because I really feel just a heaviness on my heart for what I've been just blessed to be able to share with you today. And I just want to lead off with my point. So if you got your pen and paper, it is this. Where sin and darkness abounds, we as grace givers need to abound even more. You know, as I was studying this, I was thinking, Lord, direct me. What are the words? What do you want me to hit with this? And, and you know, I, I just, we are in this place. We are in this place where we are seeing an ever-increasing darkness in this world. That's what God gave me. We are seeing an ever-increasing darkness. We are seeing where man has turned away from God. He has turned away. We are seeing the rise of hate. We are seeing the rise of negative influence. And it is not just in the world. It can be in this room. It can be in our hearts. It can be in our homes. Amen? You know, we wake up every single morning every single morning, and we're seeing new riots. We're seeing racism. We're seeing terrorism. We're seeing mass shootings. That's the darkness in this world. But let me tell you something. Romans 5.20, this is where it comes from, says, when darkness abounds, 
grace abounds even more. Let me say that again. Where darkness in this world, darkness in our homes, darkness in our hearts abounds, grace abounds more. More. And to really understand this scripture, you need to know what abounds means. It means extra. It means excess of large amounts. It means abundance. It means overflowing. So when we read that scripture again, we see when darkness is in excess, when darkness is everywhere, when darkness is in large amounts around us, guess what? Grace is in abundance. Grace overflows even more. But church, this is where we can be better. We have to allow ourselves to operate in that overflow of grace. Are you hearing me? We cannot be better as individuals. We cannot be better as a church if we are not operating through the abundance of grace. You know, when we operate through that and we see the overflow, what do we begin to see? Life change happens. When we see the the overflow and the abundance of grace in our small groups, we see freedom begin to happen. Amen? We begin to see repentance. We begin to see people coming back to God. But we have to allow God to operate through us as a church. We must be better grace givers. We must be better grace givers. Because guess what? If we are not operating through that overflow and that abundance, I want you to think about this. We are underutilizing God's power. We are not being effective. We are underutilizing the power he's already put in you, that he's already put in me, for the job that we are here to do. And I want to close with this today. Where does your heart abound? What are you overflowing with? Because we can see the darkness. We can see the negativity everywhere. It comes at us at all angles, every form of media. It it appears in our homes. It's trying to grab our children. But where does your heart abound? Where do you need to be better as an individual so that we can be better as a church? Thank you. All right, let's give it up one more time for all of the five, four, five. Such good words. You guys really knocked it out of the park with each point. I feel like I could now I could take each one of those points and just give you another 30 minutes. It just launched us into this idea that God sent Jesus on a on a rescue mission to the earth for humanity, that there, there are men and women all over this planet and always have been who desperately need God. God sent Jesus to bridge the gap, to reconnect men to him, to take the people who were, take us who were separated from God and bring us close. And when Jesus got here, he paid the ultimate price for us. And you know what? He gave us the body of Christ. He said, to all the believers, all the people he had gathered 
He said, you are my body, the body of Christ. You're the church. You're going you're gonna to start something that will change the world. You're going to take this message of redemption and you're going to give it to everybody that you come across. And when we wake up in the morning and we don't take that message, we just leave it sitting on the shelf. It's a, it's a big Bible, big family Bible. We just leave it over there. We forget why we're here. It's almost like this incredible picture of Jesus that's given to the world is something completely different. It's something that it shouldn't be. It's something alternate. The church should be the image of Christ. And when we're anything else, we're not enough. <laughs> of course, we have the grace of God that carries us, and sometimes we win in spite of ourselves. Sometimes we get there and we're like, God, how did this happen? How did you, how were you able to do this despite how bad I am? When I look at this church, that's how I feel. I'm like, God, I'm nowhere near good enough. But we got to be better. And yet still, every week, somebody gives their heart to God. Every week, we see people taking steps on this journey of faith. Getting closer and closer to God. Finding redemption. Finding sanctification. Being cleansed every day. Getting more and more and more in the image of Christ. The last thing I want to say is this. I, 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 I love the, the picture of a body, the, the image of the body of Christ, that we are, that we are His body. We, are, we function as a body. We had arms and legs and hands and feet and, and a mouth and ears and eyes. And you and I fit together to make that body. It's so, so, so important that wherever we're at in the world, that we're not just fit together, that you don't just glue yourself to the body in, in any old way. Like you're made as it, for a purpose. Can you imagine a body that just has parts glued all over? That's an ugly <laughs> image, right? That's like, ooh, Frankenstein church. That's not what we want. He made us to fit together. In a perfect way. There's nothing more beautiful when the, than when God's people come together and we fit together. And it's not perfect. We hurt each other's feelings. But as long as we can all recognize I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, and we're not pointing fingers at each other, we're here to do life together. I love that we're doing small groups because when there's a piece of the body that's disconnected, that might be you. Maybe you're at home today and it's been a long time since you've been connected or attached to the body. This is a little bit gross, but imagine this. Uh, Elizabeth mentioned the hand being disconnected. Imagine what happens when a hand gets disconnected. Like the body can heal. It's not as good as it would be with the hand, but the hand has got the, the worst part of the deal because that hand's just disconnected. It doesn't grow. It doesn't heal. It, it starts to rot. Until what? Until it gets back connected. Until it gets back in the place that it was designed to be in. Small groups put you in a place where with three or four people you can connect. You can begin to trust. You can begin to heal. You can begin to let God do the work inside that makes you who you should be.
who you were meant to be. We have so many things for us. God's given us each other. He's given us this place. He's given us this moment in time, 2021, that where so much darkness is around us. He says, hey, get ready. Because when, when there's more darkness, I'm just going to pour out more grace. I'm going to pour out more light. We get to be the ones that carry that light. Let's pray today and commit to being a better church. Being a better body, not just for believers, for each other, because we need that. I, I need you and you need me, but also for the unbelievers who are out in the world who will never know a loving God unless they see it in us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we take the challenge. We, we step into destiny and we want to be who you made us to be, the church, your children, your, your body, to do the work in this, in this world that stretches out our hand and touches the untouchable, that reaches out and loves the unlovable, God. We'll do the things that we're unable to do without you. Because your grace is being poured out in an even greater measure. It's easy to see the need. But God, you've called us to meet the need. You called us to stand in the gap, to run towards the fire like a fireman. When everybody else is running away, when everyone else is screaming danger, God, we'll stand with your presence and go into the darkest places and find that lost sheep, that lost one that needs your spirit. God, make us better. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, before we really close, I want you to know this, that there's only one way for us to be better. Maybe you're living a life and you don't, you're that one that's not, you, you feel disconnected from the body. You feel like God is far away from you. Maybe you feel like there's nothing good in me. How am I ever going to be better? Here's how. When you invite Jesus into your life, he makes you new. So for everybody in this room and everybody watching online, don't go another day without better. If you'll invite Jesus into your life today and make him your Lord and your Savior, Savior him, he will make all things new. He'll make everything better. If that's you and you're here today and you want to say that prayer for the first time or maybe it's just been a long time and you're ready to be reconnected to the family of God, reconnected to the love of God. Maybe you're saying, today's the day I stop running away. Today's the day where I stop and I meet God. If that's you today and you want to say that prayer with me, would you just, everybody, bow your head right where you are? If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor Sean, I want to say that prayer today. I want to be connected to God. I want to be, be close to God. I want my eternity to be secure. Amen. Awesome. Let's say that prayer together. Would you repeat these words after me at home, online, right here in the room? Would you say these words? God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. Thank you for paying a price that I couldn't pay. Come into my life. 
Forgive me of my sin and save me and make me whole. Make me new. Make me a new creation. And God, make me better. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We can be better in the name of Jesus. Let's put our hands together and welcome everybody who said that prayer for the very first time. I'm going to invite the band to join me back on stage, and we're going to close. But I want you to know this. If you said that prayer for the first time, I'm proud of you, and I'd love to give you a gift. It's a small book that it just takes a few minutes to read it, but essentially it's learning what comes next. It's learning how to have a fresh start with God from start to finish. What, what does it mean to get started? Sometimes can be overwhelming to, to think through, I, I don't even know where to start with God. I've said the prayer, but I don't know what comes next. So if you're online or here in this, this room, I'd love to get that book in your hands. You can get it right at the door on your way out, or you can reach out to us and message us and let us just message us the words fresh start, and we'll figure out how to get it to you. Amen, amen. I'm going to um, uh, sh share a couple things with you. Don't forget, next week we start a brand new series called Better, where we're going to talk about choosing the making r the right decisions to choose the better of options when they're put in front of us. Uh, today, you can give the, the ways for you to give are going to come up on the screen behind me. But I want to share one story with you uh, just real quick because this this the picture just, man, it hit me this week whenever I saw some of the things that you guys are doing, some of the things that you're helping to make happen. There's a 93-year-old grandma, Hermelinda. What, she was having trouble in her bathroom. She couldn't take a bath because to, to pick up her foot over the edge of the bathtub and then lay down and then get back up, she was really struggling with, with the bathtub. And so you guys made this possible. We had a team that went in and remodeled the bathroom and the shower for her. What a blessing for her. She was so excited. And it's stories like that over and over and over and over that you guys are an amazing church. I'm so proud and so excited to be a part of what you're doing and what we're doing together. I want to encourage you that as you give, your every dollar makes a difference. That each dollar is changing someone's life. In this room, outside this church, people that you'll never meet, people that I'll never meet, we're having an impact in this community, being a light that shines and showing people that Jesus loves them. So I want to encourage you to give. Be faithful with your tithes and your offerings in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of all the struggles and obstacles. We're still finding new ways to reach out and touch lives and see God move and share his love. So I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to worship together as we give. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We ask you, Lord, to to use every dollar that's given today, every dollar that's given online, God, that you would multiply it, that you would bless the people, that you would give us favor, and that you would continue to touch families, transform people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.